I, I, I maybe I did play it just a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> you won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative in your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> We're back at it here on 88.3 Doshi Tees. After further review, just talking a little bit about the NBA. One of my first, maybe favorite times of the year is early spring. Going into mid-April and early May, NCAA basketball ends up, wraps up. Very dramatic championship game. Then we got the NBA regular season ending, along with the playoffs starting. Also, hockey playoffs starting, but... We don't have Frank Vashner calling in because he was busy because we would have touched on that. So uh, probably one for a sportscaster, favorite time of the year. And then, you know, after that, it kind of dies down. And then in July, it's just a nothing but nothingness. But anyway, we got David Mann, got Harris here on the phone lines. And uh, that championship game between Virginia and Texas Tech. Wow, what a goodie. Yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of people were expecting kind of this defensive Star Wars game. I even joked with a couple of friends of mine saying, I think they should just give it to the first one that scores 50 points. But kind of that national championship game had everything that you wanted. It had the conversation of whether good defense versus is a bad offense. You had the late game heroics, similar to the semifinal game that people still hate Virginia about. You had questionable officiating in the eyes of some. And so, yeah, it basically made for a perfect ending, a season that was marked by, hey, Zion Williamson and everyone else. Now it's, hey, who's this Virginia team that was actually, you know, pretty good the entire season and were, you know, a number one overall seed that a lot of people forgot heading into this tournament. Oh, you know, they just casually get some lucky breaks and have to literally survive in advance from the Elite Eight on. So, yeah, it was a one heck of an end to a crazy college basketball season. How, how is it so crazy? I mean, basically, it seemed like all they did was talk about Zion Williamson the whole time. Well, I mean, not in the Zion Williamson hype, and then once kind of Duke got knocked out by Michigan State, I think everyone else checked out. And then they were like, ooh, this Texas Tech team is interesting. They play defense. Let's root for them. And so I think. For a lot of people, the craziness was more about what happened at least Elite Eight, and particularly in the Final Four, where it seemed like one people thought that Auburn kind of got hosed by the rest, which they didn't. Let's just put that out there. It became that the rest of the, the rest of the country is rooting for whoever was faced Virginia because they wanted Virginia to lose. And then at the end of the game against Texas Tech, at least at the end of regulation, you had people saying, oh, the calls are leading little Virginia's way. Maybe this is heading into overtime. Maybe the refs want Virginia to win. Kind of all the normal conspiracy theories that you get when there appears to be for some questionable officiating. For me, I didn't think there was a problem with the officiating, both in the Auburn-Virginia game and in the Virginia-Texas Tech game. No, Virginia, Auburn I, blew it. 
I mean, quite simple. Auburn blew it. They were down the whole game. They didn't make a valid comeback. They should have made the free throw to put them up at least three. Controversial trying to foul them up and down the court instead of trying to maybe possibly let Virginia score out of a scramble. Um, it was a lot of things I just didn't like the the taste after that Auburn game. And, and we've talked about this before on the show. If you put if you leave the, the game, the result of the game or anything in the hands of the referees, more times than not, you're gonna be the most disappointed team. And the guy fouled guy. He fouled him. He fouled him while shooting. And I still don't understand why he closed out so hard on him. I don't understand and I try to teach kids this as a coach. Force a kid to take a tough shot. If he makes the shot, it was destined for him to make it and shake his hand. I don't, I don't, it, it just bothers me that I see so many kids try to be over aggressive and doing stupid stuff to where, I mean, he has to hit a three, they have to hit a three to tie it. They have to. And they're trying to sit there and file, and they had a whole bunch of files to give that was stopping the clock, which gives them extra time to set up stuff. It, it, to me, it was just mind-boggling. Just let them tr- – you know how it, the percentages go way down when you're frantic and trying to get something like that, then cool, calm, and collect it as a basketball player. I would have just let him shoot that three, and he missed, by the way, but he got fouled. I mean, it just this is a lot of boneheadedness by Auburn. Auburn probably should have won the game. And the other thing that I, makes me upset about it is that Kyle Guy made three crucial free throws in a, uh, in a football stadium with over, what, 80,000 people? Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that that right there should be what should be being talked about, not that supposedly the double dribble that happened and, you know, all this stuff. You know, referees miss calls. I mean, referees aren't perfect. They're human. But now we got all this instant replay where we can – slow it down to the, the microsecond to, to where it's like that's not where the referees are seeing it when it's live. And and I just thought that was a kind of a, a, a travesty. I just really think that Auburn blew the game. And we were talking it, talking about it. I understand what they were kind of doing with their strategy. They kind of did go to a little bit of one-on-one ball. But with, with the pack line, how Virginia was playing it, they were trying to attack with dribble penetration and then a, maybe a handoff to get the space to get some good looks for shots because Virginia plays that pack line defense very well and it's very difficult to get some really good clean looks. Um but other than that though I just think the last 2 minutes of situational basketball I would say the last 1 minute of situational basketball for Auburn was just quite pathetic and horrible. And some people have to look at Bruce Pearl for that. It was just just the strategy was just a little off. Um I'd say congratulations to Virginia. They earned it. I mean, um, you know, Carson Edwards torched them for 42 points. They got through that game. That game right there, um, they had to hit a last-second shot to put it into overtime. So, I mean, I think they earned it. I just thought it was kind of shocking that I thought the Texas Tech and Virginia Tech, or excuse me, Virginia and Texas Tech was going to be like a CYO score, and they totally proved us wrong. Yeah, and, and I think thinking about that, just the entire Final Four, there were a lot of, I uh, listened throughout the week, there were a lot of current basketball players, former basketball players, that were taking the position of, okay, let's stop trying to use the referees as this you know, scapegoat that we automatically 
look to the referees, oh, you made a bad call, this is why they won. I mean, if we're going to be honest, like you said, if you're looking at the referees and say, why is that a bad call, instead of all the other, you know, 39 minutes leading up to that point, Mm -hmm. all of the questionable decisions, all of the missed shots that, if we're going to go to the Auburn-Virginia game, both teams are, you know, couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. And then in Texas Tech versus Virginia, Culver, who was Texas Tech's best player, conference player of the year, he was, you know, couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. Mm -hmm. And so you could just look at that and say, hey, if you make your shot, are we even having this conversation? Right. Are we even at this point of, okay, we're putting in the referee's hand like in situation. And looking at Virginia, a team that, and I mentioned text, like many of these players are, were used to having these miracle comebacks because they were part of that, hey, we're down to Louisville. Oh, wait, we win, you know, 5.2 seconds. So they're used to, because of to winning late and not being phased by the late game heroic. And I think, Part of it is a lot of people using referees as scapegoat, but then not wanting to look at their own team and say, hey, we could have played better. We should have played better. In all of these games, it was if you just hit your free throw. If you hit your free throws, Auburn more than likely beats Virginia. If you hit your free throws, Michigan State's probably a little closer to Texas Tech. If you hit your free throws, you know, Texas Tech may have a national championship. Like, it just goes back to those kind of fundamentals. But I think in the heat of the moment, kind of the fandom, the anticipation, kind of the storylines that the media pumps and feeds and fan bases pump and feed through social media and, and whatnot, it turns into, oh, the players got robbed. Oh, you know, the coach, you should deserve the fine for yelling at the referees. It's like, no. Let's look at the players. They're on the court. They had to execute. Virginia's players did. Texas Tech didn't. That's why Virginia's national champion. And I know that a lot of people want to treat Virginia and are probably going to treat Virginia like they have with Duke, at least the mid-'90s Duke, that they're the team that everyone just loves to hate. Hmm. But they deserve the champion. They came back, you know, under 30 seconds in their last three games to end the season. They earned this thing. Like, and it's this bummer that a lot of some of these players are going to think that they're going to go to the league. Like, I think DeAndre Hunter's probably going to declare. But it would be good just as many of them can come back as possible. That would be great. But who knows? I mean, I, I, you know, I won't miss them. I mean, there's been already guys declaring, obviously. Cam Reddish has declared. R.J. Barrett, I believe Zion Williamson has declared as well. Tyler Hero from Kentucky has declared. Uh, Porter from USC has declared. I mean, it's just a whole bunch of guys coming out. Michigan had three guys. They're going to get agents and just get an evaluation and see where they stand in the NBA, which is not bad. Yeah, and I think as we approach NBA draft season, Hopefully a lot of the players that are taking good advice, you know, cross the ticker in the mothership, they have the ESPN ring. Jonathan Gibbon, he's kind of ranking some guys that I see. Most of them are first round, you know, anywhere 20s, 20s, 30s. There are a couple that I've seen kind of in the 50s and 60s. And it's just 
if you feel like your time is right, if you feel like your stock is at its highest, great. Understanding that one injury, boom, it could be all over in an instant. But if if you're just doing it just because, you know, you're getting some bad advice and you're an underclassman, just come back, get a year, get better, help your school if you can, or at least try to up your draft stock. So, But I think this draft class is going to be very, very interesting considering the teams that are going to be in the lottery and considering some of the players that are declaring where they rank in the 20s and 30s, those are going to be the ones that may end up on a current playoff team. You never know. So it's It's going to be a fun postseason for some of these NBA guys or college guys that are looking to go pro. Yeah, I, I, it'll be interest, interesting to see how uh, those things. What was your thoughts on the on, on this year's college basketball? Well, I really think and really hope that this is the only year that we spend an entire season worrying about one player on one for one specific team. And I understand kind of the novelty of Zion Williamson, the hype from high school and all the YouTube tapes. But I think we missed a lot of the great storylines and the great stories because ESPN in particular was so Zion got to be on every broadcast. Zion has to be on every rundown. Duke has to lead up every sports center, no matter whether Zion's playing or not. And all the cameras have to be on Zion being on the bench, cheering on his teammates. Like, I think in this season we missed the fact that, hey, there were a couple of breakout stars. John Morant came out of, for a lot of people, came out of the blue. But, hey, because you're focused on Duke, you don't see John Morant. You don't see P.J. Washington having a heck of a year. We saw Tennessee when they were kind of top five, top ten. But outside of SEC country, no one was paying attention to Tennessee basketball. No one was paying attention. Honestly, we weren't paying attention to Texas Tech, and they won the Big 12. So it's like, I think from a national standpoint, it'd be nice to kind of have all these other schools actually given some quality airtime. But I think in terms of the on-the-court product, I think this year was probably one of the more parody-driven seasons that I've seen. Because you had the rise of smaller schools making a name for themselves. You had Buffalo in the top 15. You had Gonzaga that was dominated throughout the regular season, but conference championship game, they lose to St. Mary. You had a school like Belmont that no one really thought about. They had a magical season. You had Michigan State beat Michigan three times in a single season, yet everyone was worried about, hey, is Michigan going to be Michigan going to be that team that no one wants to play in the, when it comes to tournament time? I think there were a lot of, at least in the Power of Five, there were a lot of storylines and a lot of schools that went underneath the radar that I think heading into the next season, it's, they're going to be spotlights. We're going to talk about the Tennessees. We're going to talk about the Auburn. We're going to definitely talk about Texas Tech now, regardless of how many of their players return. And so it's going to be, okay, who can be that next 
not so much Cinderella, but Dark Horse team that everyone expects. Oh, you know, they'll have a great regular season, but come March, we know they're going to flame out. And who knows? A team, this, you know, the next team that loses to a 16 seed or the next two seeds that lose to a 15 seed can look at this year like, hey, Virginia can do it. Why not us? Yeah, college college basketball is fine. Do you think it's somewhat kind of boring, though, without the star power? I mean, let's think about it. Everyone, we got to admit, everyone talked about Duke, even though everyone knew Virginia was good. But with them being good, and I, and I will give them credit, too, from last year being beat, the first team ever, number one seed to be beat by a 16 seed, then to come back, be a number one seed, and then finally win the championship. You know, you got to give kudos to them. But at the same time, though, they are talking – the NBA is, I think it's either going to be 2021 or 2022 that the one-and-done rule would be done. And I know how you feel about players being possibly coming to college, but I kind of think hopefully if they redo the rule, they give the kids a choice, and then if you do come to college, you got to do at least two years. I really think that the one-and-done rule helps some of these players as far as brand-wise. Look at Williamson. He wasn't going to be the number one pick before this year started. Goes to Duke, puts on a show, and now he didn't leapfrog his teammate R.J. Baird, who was going to be the consensus number one if they would all, if they both would have just came out of high school. Yeah, and I think the one and done has proven. And we look at kind of the traditional, you know, big schools. We look at Kentucky. We look at Duke. Well, I mean. Now, more recently, within the last five, ten years. But we look at Kentucky in particular. We look at even Kansas sometimes has had one and does more recently. But if we look at kind of some of the program success, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago, when Kentucky got knocked out, is the one and done really helping your school advance Deep into the tournament, to where you have. Well, no, I'm not saying. I'm saying. I'm saying that with with the one and done. I think a lot of people are saying, you know, it's bad. It's this and it's that. But I totally think that the one and done has shown that it can be good. But I think it should be maybe two and done. But the kid gets a choice, just like kind of like in college baseball, you know. Or you can get drafted and the team can keep your keep your draft rights. I mean, I don't know how why it's so difficult for basketball to adapt to this. I think the one and done has shown that there's some guys that can can benefit from going to college. And Zion Williamson was one of them. Let's be honest with you. When he was coming out of college, yeah, he was a YouTube sensation or he not more of an Instagram sensation. But now he was able to put his skill set on a national platform because obviously Duke and ESPN, you know, they're, they're going to show it all the time. His stock rose, whereas he was going to probably be behind R.J. Barrett. Now, the one and done could have hurt R.J. Barrett, but, I mean, okay, he he went down one slot from being number one to number two player. I, I really think that guys going to college, if you're good – you're good. It's not going to hurt your draft stock. Now, I do understand people talk about the whole, uh, well, you get injured. and this. Now, that's why I said, you know, maybe they need to give the choice of when you, either you can go this route or you can go that route. But I think two and done helps both parties. 
at least college basketball knows you can get you for two years. You're not just doing a pit stop. I think it kind of strengthens college basketball at the Division One level, obviously. And for some players, possibly going to college can probably help you get your draft stock and, and actually mature you. I mean, you're going to have a maturation process. And let's face it, a lot of these guys can be ultra-competitive and ultra-talented to be at the NBA to compete. But can some of these dudes actually deal with a lot of the off-the-court stuff plus juggle stuff on the court and actually be a professional athlete and superstar? I mean, that's a heck of a thing to deal with. Yeah, and I think, to your point, kind of thinking about brand recognition, thinking about some of the players that, if we're going to be honest, probably need to be in the two-and-dust. Because as we talk, every year there's a group of high school and freshman top 50, top 100, they come to college thinking that, you know, the greatest thing to fight spread, go up against, you know, similar caliber competition, and, oh, you're, you know, you're just a guy. And so that should, in theory, help to do that motivation, do that, okay, here's what I need to do to be better. Here's how I need to improve. And I think because most of these kind of one-and-done guys end up going to the big-name schools and the Power 5 conferences, their, you know, their game is being analyzed by analysts on ESPN, by former coaches, by former players. So they're hearing not just in the locker room, but they're hearing it on social media. They're hearing, watching it on ESPN, on any of you know, the 18,000 college basketball shows. <laughs> and so they're, they're getting this information, and it's just a matter of, okay, how can – if I'm going to take this, you know, two years in college route, how can I use these two years to be the best basketball player that I can be and get better? Or if you think that you're good enough to go straight from high school, which I honestly feel like less and less players probably are ready to make that jump. You know, there's a rare exception, but I think more and more probably would value that. Hey, just, just go to school. Worst case scenario, you have to be, you know, pay attention in class for a year, year and a, you know, year and a semester. Best case scenario, you ball out, you become, you know, national player of the year, your brand jumps through the roof, you already have you know, a shoe contract lined up, you know, by the end of January. So it's kind of, kind of just depends very, you know, case by case, kid by kid basis, but. I think that it's a good idea to kind of scrap this rule. I think that there's been a lot of conversation about it. One and done. Is it helping or hurting? And I think for the league players, this is probably going to, I don't want to say it, but it's probably going to mean more eyes or more attention given to this G League prospect and kind of using this as a bigger tool than what it is right now. So that for those that want to leave high school or have been go straight to the league or guys that don't want to do the college thing but they want to play right away but they don't think that they're going to make it into the league, hey, this thing's called G League. And so we had an instance last year. I remember we talked about it a little bit with a player that, committed to Syracuse and then decided G League and then decided yeah, Baisley. I just going to do my own thing. So. Baisley, yeah. Which I, I, we have to be doing a look up on that because I remember we did do a show uh, 
last, you know, basically almost last year. Can you believe that? Of him going, possibly going to the G League. He didn't want to go to Syracuse, which I really think if he probably would have went to Syracuse, hmm, you know what I mean? You never know. You know, time will tell. Some sometimes you look back, hindsight's twenty twenty, and sometimes you make the move and realize, yeah, probably should have just done one other thing. But he's 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 going to be an interesting test case, and he's going to be that kind of white flag for a lot of people looking at a lot of different options other than straight to league or kind of doing independent for this year. Yeah, it'll be uh, pretty interesting. So, David, where are you at as we uh, finish this up? Where are you at? Are you in the co or are you in pit? I'm in the pit. Ah, so you went back home, huh? What's the weather like out over there? There's a little bit of rain weather coming through this weekend, so it's definitely going to be a wet one. Mm. I would say it's baseball weather, but, I mean, people play in rain anyway. Ah, well, a little get... windy, a little breezy. More like football weather, honestly. Right. Well, at least you get to see, uh, now that you're back home home, you get to see some Pittsburgh Pirate games. Yeah, the Pirates, they're okay. (laughs) They're kind of like the 4-13 matchup in college basketball in the first round. You kind of watch, but you kind of don't really expect much out of it. But then you're pleasantly surprised every once in a while. Uh, Any plans this weekend? Uh, college, college sports, working on this draft as the draft, NFL draft is looming. Got to get this draft board ready, get this mock draft finalized. Yeah, that is true. The mock draft is coming up with uh, Frank McShay and uh, David Kuyper. Uh, David, once again, thanks for always contributing to the After Further Review, and uh, have a good weekend, man. All right, you too. All right, that was David, the man of God, Harris here on After Further Review. Make sure you always check us out on our SoundCloud page, uh, WHT's After Further Review, and on iTunes. It's got a picture of Frank Vashner and the horse's head. Just type in After Further Review. And remember, if you're listening to these podcasts, give us a, a five-star rating for David and uh, Frank Vashner. I'm Derek Laws. This has been a presentation of 88.3 WHT's After Further Review. We'll see you guys next week, same time, same place, 11 to 1 on 88.3 WHT. Peace. We're out.